Hi, this is Babs Roll Biden from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Welcome to Love, Babs, Love, Talk. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. It is Monday, the day before my favorite holiday. Uh, for some of y'all, it's Galentine Day. You know, when you get with your gal pals and you celebrate Valentine Day, which is tomorrow. So get into it. I love Valentine Day. I love it. It's one of my favorite holidays. I never miss it. I never, never miss opportunity to celebrate it. When my kids were little, we'd have Valentine Day dinners and we'd have Valentine Day. Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't know if they celebrate it, but I know I still celebrate it. Um, so uh, happy Monday. It's a good weekend. It's a good, the weather, the weather was near perfect. I mean, it really was nice. The weather is not, I mean, we're living in Virginia right now. We we are in Virginia. I don't know, I don't know who has the Connecticut weather and they can keep it. <laughs> We don't we don't want it back. And I know some of y'all are missing a little snow and you're missing a little shoveling and some ice and sleep. I know you're missing it. I know. Go to where it is. Go spend the weekend wherever that is. Get your fill. Come back to Virginia. Because <laughs> we is in Virginia. <laughs> Maybe even North Carolina at this rate. You know, there and there's no snow on the horizon. It's spring. I'm telling you, our flowers are going to bloom up. If they're not, if you've not already seen your crocuses push through, they might be. Your tulips might be early for tulips, but crocuses, blue, those, those, uh, those, yeah, those things might pull pull up. So I don't know. I'm 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 enjoying it. So let me see, what did I get into this weekend? It was a it was a lot going on, and I had a good time. Uh, I went. Let's see. Well, Saturday has Saturday Academy. So Saturday Academy, uh, studying for the LSAT, which I sit for in June, June 9th to be exact, um, was its own thing. It was good. Got to see. We did it in person at the law school. It was great. Got to see uh, my classmates, you know, because we do a lot of it on online sometimes. Uh, but this was in person. So it was good. It felt good. Um, I felt good. And uh I know I don't know what's happening with my I, I had to figure this out. I'll deal with it at some point. My my uh my uh my monitor. I should go in and troubleshoot and see what's happening. Yeah, maybe. So so Friday night I had dinner with my friend, um, my good friend and the godmother to my kids, Jane Grossman, Judge Jane Grossman, and uh and her husband John Cupson, who was my uh treasurer for my campaign. Uh, I think he was the second treasurer for my campaign. Robin Godwin was my first treasurer for my campaign. Uh, and so that was good. So anyway, we got I got to hang out with them Friday night. We went to uh, Cannon uh, because, you know, they're vegan vegetarians. And, and Cannon is a vegan vegetarian pub. And, and I love going there. I just got some news that our friend Tess doesn't work there anymore. I was very bummed by that because I enjoy seeing her. 
And I was in there and Winter runs the bar. She didn't say anything. She just said, oh, Tess is out. It's her day off. When I go in there, I was like, Winter, I already know Tess no longer works here. I have to, so I could let her off the hook. So she doesn't think, you know. And I told the guy that owns it. I said, listen, we like coming here. We'll still come here, even if we don't get to see Tess. He just said Tess felt like she couldn't do it anymore. I get it. You know, you just get to a place where you're like, been there, done that. So anyway, uh, we were at Cannon. Uh, it was lovely. You know, we ate, drank, talked, laughed, took pictures or whatever. Saturday, I had Saturday Academy, Long Wharf Board Retreat. I jumped in after I left Saturday Academy. I took a walk, then uh, jumped onto the Long Wharf Theater Board Retreat, which was, you know, fine. And then uh, popped over to Music Haven for a celebration of Black History Month. And this is what I, this is what I did. Uh, it was great. I had a good time. The music was beautiful. So this this is the the, the flyer. Now this is white folks playing music. Well, um, Yara, let's see, what is her name? Yara. Yara uh, is is not white. She's something, but I don't know what she is. Maria Kubova. She's a violinist. Anyway, I met her through um, Susan Clinard. So anyway, I came, I went to see her. There's pictures all over Facebook. But they did this, and this is this is the program that they did. It's very contemporary. They took contemporary music and uh, made it classical. You know, sort of like Bridgerton. So that, you know, I just called to say I love you. When you hear that with violins, it's, it's beautiful. You know, by Stevie Wonder. Fallen by Alicia Keys. Um, lyrics for Strings, uh, a 1946 George Walker composition. Uh, Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack, which she wrote in 1973. Midnight Child by Charles Washington um, from 1987. String Quartet Number no. 1, um, Allegro Cambrio by Adolphus Hailstork. Now these are all Black people. Uh, Halo by two, uh, 2008 by Beyonce. Feeling Good, 1965, Nina Simone. And Sir Duke, 1977, Stevie Wonder. I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, it was just lovely. I mean, if you if you don't think you like classical music, hearing contemporary artists' music played uh, with the classic vibe, it's very nice. So I enjoyed them very much. They did a great job. And I just love their, their program. You know, they got Stevie, they got Beyonce, and they got violins. <laughs> this is so cute. So anyway, this was Music Haven. Uh, and they did it at Keeler Lydell Gallery. That was nice. It was really, really nice. I enjoyed it. Uh, some of my friends, like Ife and them, was across town uh, on West Street uh, at the poetry uh, uh, thing. And uh, I couldn't make that. But, you know, people live streamed it. So it was a lot. It was a celebration. It was noisy. It was big. It was spoken. Word. It was all the things. This this was to my liking. It was very quiet. <laughs> and, it was, and it was quite enjoyable. So, so that was my Saturday. And then I went on home. I missed the... Uh, the uh, Makehaven folks party. I was going to go. They had a party on East Pearl Street. I just didn't have the energy. I ran out of energy. So I just made my, I just went on home. But I know they had a good time. Uh, and then uh, Sunday was very chill. I had my writing group. I have a, a standing writing group at 11 o'clock on Sundays. And uh, and it was really nice. That And that's my weekend, boys and girls. So I'm sure Paul is out there looking for unsuspecting folks for word on the street. And I hope tomorrow when he does it, that he finds people in love and ready to, you know, talk about being in love. <laughs> By the way, I am a justice of the peace. I can marry people if you want to do it tomorrow. 
or today or next week or whenever. And keep in mind too, I'm at a, a creative arts workshop uh, uh, doling out spiritual direction, you know, so a, 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 a spiritual direction-esque experience as part of um, um, Hidden Visions uh, uh, ex exhibition at, at Creative Arts Workshop. So if you've not had a chance to get over there, I would suggest that you see this exhibit. I'll be there from three to five every Monday from now until March 6th, and then on the 25th, one to three. So go, come, check it out. The artwork is amazing. You will not be disappointed. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. Nico Whedon is a visionary and the art is stunning. So I want you to go see it. Uh, I want you to say, made visible, made visible, freedom dreams. Uh, e, uh, y Malik Jalal, uh, Linda Valdez Meekins, who is my soror's mommy, and such an, uh, listen, see her now while you can afford to see her. Buy some of her sculpture now while you can afford to buy it. Because I'm telling you, I told you all about Samara Joy. I'm telling you about Linda Mickens. I'm telling you, get your pieces now because baby, you won't be able to touch this stuff in a minute. In a minute. And then Jasmine Nicole, another one, art beautifully, self-taught. I don't even know what that means, self-taught. Like, I, do you pick up a brush one day and be like, Look, look what I could do. I pick up a brush. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'll, sit, I'll sit there and wait for inspiration. Okay. No, we all have our talents. I'm not, I, listen, we all have our talents. That's not my talent. And I'm not mad about it. I, my, you know, my talent is appreciating other people's talent. That's my talent. <laughs> That's my superpower. <laughs> appreciating other people's talent. And, uh, and and she's talented, uh, Nicole Jasmine Nicole. So so come. So if you're around Creative Arts Workshop, spend six minutes with me. And let me give you a, a a spiritual spiritual direction ish experience as we ground ourselves back to ourselves in this high tech highfalutin world of disconnection and 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 unhappiness and and whatever it is we think we're seeking outside of ourselves. So come through. Let me put hands on you. Because <laughs> my grandmama and them used to say, put some hands on you. Put hands on you. Let's tarry. We're going to tarry a little bit. So, yeah. Oh, the Super Bowl. Woohoo! I didn't really, I had it on. I didn't really watch. I didn't know what I was doing. It was on in the background. I was doing some housework. You know, I was doing all kinds of things. You know, whatever. It was on. 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 So. Uh, it's good. I'm very happy. Uh, who won? I was rooting for black quarterbacks. Black quarterback won. <laughs> I thought uh, Shirley Ralph was amazing. 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 Of course, she's a dream girl. I, I don't know what people think. She is a dream girl. She gonna show up and belt it out like a dream girl. What? What is wrong with people? <laughs> She's not gonna show up and and sing a demure sing it demurely. She's gonna get up there and give it to you. People are just ridiculous and silly. And this like, and then they make the statement, oh, she's up there like a dream girl. Uh, hello. She is a dream girl. I'm not a dream girl. <laughs> she's a dream girl. She did a great job. She looked amazing. 
And then Rihanna. Ugh. She could do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. And her homage to um, Mr. Tally in the big puffy sleeper coat. I mean, I thought it was great. Listen, I've got no beef. I enjoyed Rihanna. And she's with child. <laughs> she's with child. Her second child is on the way. Listen, these young women ain't playing around out here. These, these young sisters out here doing their thing. It was a great show. I thought it was a great halftime show. I liked her. She sang all the songs I wanted to hear. I mean, one or two, I would have liked to hear a little bit more, but I mean, it's a halftime show. It's not a concert. It's a concert, but it's not the concert. It was good. I enjoyed it. I, th I mean, I thought everybody looked good. You know, when you're on the stage, I mean, it's a world stage, right? Because a gazillion people are watching this thing. And a gazillion people are watching for the halftime show. So you have to contend with the visuals. You have to contend with choreography. You have to contend with weather. You have to contend with a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of moving parts. She did a good job. And I, and I love that elevated stage thing. I wasn't nervous for her because I know there's a lot of people on that ground that was right there. That was just like, we got nets. <laughs> Ain't nothing gonna happen to her. We got nets. <laughs> so it was great. I, I enjoyed it, I guess. I didn't even pay attention to the to the commercials. I, it wasn't until I watched Good Morning America that I realized there were so many other commercials on. I didn't even know. I didn't see them. So I don't know. Whatever. It was fine. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. I didn't have any wings. I have anything. I didn't go anywhere. I just sort of had cocktails at the house. I had wine and cocktails. It was fine. That's how I spent my night, wine and cocktails. <laughs> I watched. I watched some of it. I can't really tell you what I watched. So anyway, it was good. 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 So, so yeah, so the Super Bowl last night. And then I got up this morning and uh, got into log logical reasoning questions, which I'm telling you, when I spend my own time studying, it is quite helpful. I guess that's why studying is important. <laughs> Independent study is important. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? So I did that. I spent a little time studying this morning. And uh, I'm glad I did because it is becoming clear to me how to test. And, uh, and you know, I, I spent so much time trying to play catch up when I just like decided, let me just take myself through the paces and, and, and study. And so it has been uh, enormously helpful. Uh, to do that. So yes, so I'm I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the thick of it. I was up at five o'clock and uh, I studied for a couple of hours, several hours. My goal is three hours a day. So I try to I try to do it from five, five, six, seven, eight. So I try to get three hours in in the morning and it seems to be working pretty well. It, it allows me to cover a lot of ground and I'm happy about that. So, so yeah, I, I sit for this LSAT in June and it'll be June before I know it. It'll be June. I'll be sweating this damn test. So, so I want to go in as cool and confident as I possibly can. That's what I want to do and, and have a good score. Cause I don't want to be one of these people taking it 8,000 times. I, I don't, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, and that was the weekend. So here we are Monday and we're ready. So I think Paul is out there looking for, you know, un unsuspecting folks. 
I hope so. Uh, because I can't wait to hear what Word on the Street brings us. And I'm, let me tell you something. So many people enjoy Word on the Street. I enjoy it too, because I feel like this is what makes New Haven, New Haven. I think Word on the Street is what it is. It is what makes New Haven be, be such a, a fabulous place that all these different opinions and people converge and live here and connect and do all the things, work here, uh, raise families here, transport here, transplant here. I love it. I absolutely love it. So when people say they want to stay from other places, like Dominique, who we saw in the park the other day, you know, she's a Yale Law student and she's from Chicago and she wants to stay. She wants to stay here and be a part of the landscape. I love it. I I, I will say as much as I nosh uh, Yale, uh, they do bring some amazing people here and amazing people stay and contribute to the beauty of this city. I will say that. And, uh, and unlike a lot of other people, I, I like when other people come here and get a taste for my city and then say, let me jump in and see how I can continue to make a difference in a city that of this size. And I tell people all the time, New Haven is the kind of city you could jump in at any turn, at any point, at any juncture and, and, and disrupt or add to or enhance or build upon whatever is happening, whatever is happening. You have that, this city is very powerful that way, that you can stand on the corner right now and say, I want to do X. And it'll be like 20 people will run up and say, let me help you do X. That's the beauty of this city. If you've not experienced it, I say, try it. Come up with an idea and then go talk to people. And I'm telling you, people will send you far and wide and connect you. And I'll do my best to connect you too. We'll connect you to people who have that same thinking or who could help further whatever that thinking is. That's what I love about this city. That's what I love about this city. I know people are like, oh, I want to move away. What is that? Move away. Go. Go. Do whatever, whatever. But for my money and my sensibilities, uh, I like this city because there's so much to do. It's so much to do here. It's so much to do. That's why I don't understand people who are like, we don't know what to do. What do you mean you don't know what to do? <laughs> but you would go somewhere else where you know even less about what to do. I like you've got all kinds of richness here, all kinds of richness and lots of black things to do, lots of Latino things to do, lots of Caribbean things to do. There's all kinds of things to do, whether you're eating, whether you're going to a live music venue, uh, whether I mean, we've got great libraries in all the neighborhoods. Um, um, there's great theater here. Uh, I mean, there's so much good, good good things here. I mean, they want a little comedy. There's comedy here. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, performances, um, shopping, eating, dining, all the things that you, you know, my favorite thing is live music. So I know all the places to go to hear live music, you know, because I, I enjoy live music. I, I enjoy all kinds of music, whether it's classical. Uh, I, you know, the other night I was, uh, um, before the weekend, I was over at the, uh, at Sprague Hall at Yale School of Music, listening to uh, the Cuban artist, um, doing her thing. And it was just, it was just amazing. And it was free. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It was free. So I'm just saying, don't sleep. Man, there's all kinds of good stuff going on, all kinds of good stuff. So, uh, so I never have to, um, <laughs> I never have to go anywhere to, uh, uh, figure out. Oh, yes. I go to New York quite often. Like I spent an exorbitant amount of time in New York. 
And, uh, and I like going to New York because it's big. It's a city. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I can't go to New York every single day. You know, I can't. What I can do is hang out here in my own city and enjoy what it offers. We have great parks, great places to walk, great places to hang out, great places to connect. I know I'm selling my city. I am because I, I love it. 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 So anyway, so I know Paul's out there. I haven't heard from him, though. He didn't send me a message saying I got somebody. So maybe he's still out there fishing. So uh, I guess we found more things to shoot down out of the sky. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why. Are we surprised? Whatever is out there is coming. I don't know what else to tell you. I, you know, I've been watching uh, The Last of Us. I, I, I certainly do not want to be around when it when something attacks us. <laughs> I I don't want to be trying to run or get hold up any place. I that is this is as dystopian as I want to get watching it on television. I don't want no parts of it in real life. And I and I dare say we must prepare ourselves. You know, I know people won't because we can't even prepare ourselves during you know, uh, natural disasters. So an uh, alien or, uh, or uh, 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 something coming into our atmosphere is really going to turn people upside down. I don't think people are ready for that kind of reality. I just don't. I don't, I don't I'm not convinced that people are, are ready to understand that there might be other life forces out there. I don't even want to, I don't even want to bridge the conversation with people. Because I one, I just think people, a lot of people are just stupid, and they'll just re- overreact and panic and do stupid things, you know. So I don't, I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> I kind of like to have it when it's ha ha ha, funny funny. I don't want to have it like, what are we gonna do, you know? Because I, because I, I, I told y'all, I think about this kind of stuff all the time, and how are we gonna get away? The highways will be clogged, and and uh, you know. The highways will be clogged. We'll run out of gas. I mean, it'll just be a bad scene. There won't be any water. You know, people won't know where to go. Everybody's trying to go in the same direction. Everybody will start looting. I mean, it'll just be a bad scene. So anyway, <laughs> that's where I'm at. I could be wrong. I could be really, really wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I find to the high school and community folks who listen to the show. Their teachers let them listen periodically, particularly when I have guests, not when I'm just riffing. I want to have guests, particularly guests that, you know, are our writers and stuff. Um, so I appreciate that. High five, Steve, for uh, letting the kids listen in on Love Baths, Love Talk on 103.5 WNHH. That's pretty damn cool. You know, I, I forget that. You know, when I'm up here, I just think I'm just by myself. <laughs> I'm not. People are listening all over the world. You know, people are listening all over the world. And they, and they tell me so. So, so thank you for your, uh, thank you for your, your commitment to the show and to me. I appreciate it. I, I love this. This is what I do every day. I, and I don't try to be highbrow. Like I, I'm not NPR. <laughs> I'm so not NPR. I don't even have that NPR monotone voice <laughs> that you have to have. I got a lot of, I got a lot of inflection in my voice. It's a lot of passion and it's loud. I'm not NPR ready. <laughs> I don't I don't have that is she or isn't she voice. 
I, I just don't have it. I just don't. So, um, so, so I, I like being on 103.5 WNHH because I feel like this is real community radio and it's, and it's, it's liberating and I get to say and do what I want to do and have all kinds of people. Speaking of all kinds of people, uh, I've got Nick LeBron coming on uh, at 1015. He is a mayor, mayoral candidate for Hartford. And, uh, and while I'm not having any New Haven candidates on my show, let me say that again. While I am not having any New Haven candidates on my show, happy to have the uh, Hartford candidate on and whoever else want to come on from Hartford. Why? Because I think that's a much more interesting race. It's a much more interesting race. And I, and, you know, and uh, Nick LeBron, I believe, is a Latina. His mother uh, immigrated here from Puerto Rico uh, uh, many, many years ago. So he's integrated into, into Hartford, into the Hartford landscape. I believe he served on the city council. But anyway, I want to hear what he's what he wants to talk about. Um uh about uh Hartford and what he wants to do with Hartford. Hartford is the capital of Connecticut. Um and so we should pay attention to what's going on in our capital. You know, all things stem from there, right? Everything starts from there. Um uh so I'm interested in hearing what what he thinks he what his vision is for Hartford, you know. So, uh, so he'll be on a tip fifteen. I look forward to I look forward to talking to him. My friend Candace uh, Dorman is the uh, is his uh, campaign manager, and uh, and I'm excited to sort of talk to talk to him about you know what his chances are, and how does he feel about it, and you know what and what does the uh, uh, the Latino uh, population look like in Hartford? I know there is a huge Caribbean population, you know, so. I'd be interested in hearing the inroads into that and how far he's gotten with, with those communities. And, and what do they need? I, I know very little about Hartford, even though I worked, I, you know, I came out of grad school, it was one of my first jobs um, uh, in Hartford. Oh, no, when I, one of my first jobs out of college, I worked in New in Hamden, and then I transferred to uh, a job in, in Hartford that I, that I got fired from because <laughs> I was a terrible claims adjuster. I I couldn't understand this. I, I I was a terrible terrible claims adjuster. I was a licensed claims adjuster. I was terrible at it because I I never wanted to like jerk people out of their money. I and when you are a claims adjuster for an insurance company, you know the the goal is not to play pay the claim. The goal is to create barriers to paying the claim. I, I just it just got on my nerves. So I was terrible at it because I would never I would never negotiate with people. Whatever, whatever, whatever the estimate that they sent me from their garage, that's what the hell I would pay. <laughs> I wasn't sending these people 50 places to get five different, you know, garage estimates and all this is the garage they've been using for years and years and years. These people know their car. Why would I send them a, a town over to get a car fixed? Because that's who we use. Oh. It just got on my nerves. And then it creates hardship. Why are we creating hardships? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how I got fired. <laughs> it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. I got fired from my little, I think I was making like $25,000 a year. It was a full-time job. I had benefits the whole nine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just what it was. So, uh, <sighs> what a day, what a day, what a day, what a day. So anyway, needless to say, uh, I was a terrible claims adjuster. <laughs> I was terrible at a lot of things. 
I got fired from a, a some some jobs. Let me tell you, I got fired. Uh, you know, uh, I uh, I got fired for some jobs, and uh, it's all right. I could I could laugh about it now because I'm way past it, way way past it. But and I think everyone should get fired at least once or twice in their life. I mean, I think you should just just for just because so that you have the experience of uh, understanding what that is, you know, so whatever. I have been fired anyway, back on script. So I don't know if Paul is out there. Paul, I don't know if you're listening. Are you out there? Paul, are you out there? Are you listening? <laughs> Are you out there? Are you out there? Are you out there? Um, let me know. Word on the street. Our little slice of New Haven. Up close and personal. Up close and personal. Up close and personal. So anyway, so I've got uh, Nick LeBron today at 10.15. Tomorrow, Valentine's Day. I don't have a guest for tomorrow. So I think I'm just going to pull all my favorite love poetry. And just, I'll see if, I, if somebody wants to come on and talk about love or whatever. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I might just be me reading. And tomorrow I go get my mammography. I go get the girls pushed up into the machine and photographed. <laughs> Listen, it's the day of love. I love them. So they got to go get handled. So I'm going to go do that. Uh, Wednesday, I've got uh, folks from the New Haven Free Public Library because it's Mardi Gras is coming. The annual Mardi Gras celebration at the New Haven Free Public Library. Uh, so it's coming up and they're going to be on and we're going to have a good time talking about Mardi Gras. It's back because it's been on hiatus or it's been like virtual. And I think this is the first time it's back in like real time, real space. Uh, Thursday, two of my favorite people, Patty Russo uh, from the Yale Campaign School and my bestie, Ron Thomas from uh, uh, CCM, Connecticut Conference of Municipalities. And, you know, they've, they've teamed up a few years ago to do a joint training on how to get elected and all that kind of stuff. And it was so popular that they, they've been continuing to do it. So they're coming on to talk about it uh, and to inform y'all how y'all could go in and do it. So <laughs> are you getting a polite rejections, Paul? People are... <laughs> People are people are friendly in this town. <laughs> they give you a friendly no. Like, no, no, I don't think so. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Clearly, they have not seen word on the street. And then uh Friday, I don't have a guest. So there's that. So ha. Huh. So I want everybody to just, you know, get into it. Get into it. Uh well, it's a nice day to be out walking, Paul. I don't know where you are in this city because Paul walks everywhere. But I have faith in you. I have faith in you. <laughs> I do. I have, I have great faith in you, Paul Bass. I believe that you, I believe you'll find somebody to be all good. It'll be all good. So, so yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm in soft, furry clothes. So that I could sit in spiritual direction with people today. I'm so excited. Uh, this is this is really a dream come true. I had this vision and I didn't know where to take this vision. 
Um, and so I talked with Juanita Sunday at first, and she was so good at thinking it was a good idea. And so then that just led me on a path to sort of, you know, do it. And then Linda Meekins, her bench was inspirational to me. So she turned me on to her carpenter. I bought one, tricked it out, painted it. She helped me attach my wings. Now, I don't know where I'm going to put this bench when it's time to bring the bench home. Because God knows I don't have any more room in my storage of an apartment. Because I have two daughters here with all their stuff. And my stuff, which trumps everybody's stuff. <sighs> Yeesh. Yes. <laughs> oh, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. This is not how I imagine how I would be living in my space. But you know what? They got to land somewhere for a minute. And I remember being uh, uh, out there and landing at my mama's house a couple of times in my life and relatives' houses when I was in between my own housing situations. So, uh, so yeah. So not much longer, I would imagine, because they'll they'll be all clamoring to get back out there and do their own thing. And, and I want them to. <laughs> I, truly, I want them to. <laughs> ah, I want them to with every beat of my heart. So uh, but 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 that's a, a horse of another color for another day. Uh, right now, I am in. uh I am in uh, Valentine's Day mode. I, I really am. I get excited about just a day committed to uh, uh, the more toujours, the more. Like, I, I just get excited about it. I know people are whining about, oh, it's so commercial. I don't have to buy flowers to show that I love. Why do I have to get a card? Why I got to buy? You don't have to do a damn thing. Don't Do nothing. Do, shut up. Do nothing. Do nothing. Do nothing. But I got to tell you, it's it's gonna it's gonna feel some kind of way that your your significant other is experiencing this day uh, in a way uh, that you don't want to experience. And you know, here's the thing: what I know about love, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not. So I mean, we 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 contribute to the commercialization of things every single day in this country and around the world. Every time you pick up your damn iPhone or you choose an iPhone or some other phone over something else, you are contributing to the commercialization of everything. Whether you watch a show on TV, the gas that you choose, the food that you buy, everything is commercialized. So don't try to make this holiday as the whipping boy for everything that's commercialized. From the shoes that you wear, to the coat that you buy, to the things that you put in your home, that is all as a result of commercialization of something. So stop trying to make it seem like you're higher or better than the, the succumbing to the marketing messages that says, go and love somebody. Because that's really all it's saying. If you if you don't want to buy diamonds, then, then the commercials are not going to press you to buy a diamond. But the commercials might be like, you know what, it might be nice to get my girl or my my boo thing uh, some some diamond studs or a heart necklace or the mother of my children a heart necklace. Do you know how many diamond heart necklaces I got? <laughs> With mom. <laughs> some I got four stones representing four kids. Some I got an emerald representing my birthstone. 
Come on. Stop it. Do something else. Then. Make, make a handwritten card and go pick a daisy somewhere and, and give it to your loved one. But just don't let the day go by because you feel some kind of way about commercialization. Because I think that's a cop-out and it's unfair. It's unfair. And it's a day committed to making however way you want to make it about. It's just a day. And I know, listen, I know people are like, oh, I remind my love every day. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. What's one more day then? <laughs> what's what's one more day? <laughs> what is one more day? You know, come on. We we do we we commit to things all the time. I, I just love it. I'm excited. You know, all right. We hanging with you, Paul. You get in there when you get in there. We with you. So all right, here we go. Here's Paul again. Yay! Word on the street. Word on the street. He's coming in hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> okay. Good morning. Can you hear me, Babs? I can. I'm going to be introducing someone and putting the phone so close to him so you can see him. But first, I want to know, am I right side up? Yes, you are. Okay, say good morning to Carl. He's filing his tooth of his saw. And Carl, good morning. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. What are you up to today, Carl? Surfing in the chainsaw, getting it ready to finish taking down this tree. Before I work for the city, uh, the tree crew of New Haven. We're going to be taking this tree down next to me over here. So I'm uh, doing a little maintenance on the saw. It was a little dull, so we're sharpening it up. So has this saw seen a lot of trees? It has seen a lot of trees. This saw is probably uh, seven, eight years old now. So this is probably cutting through hundreds, maybe close to a thousand trees. Wow. Magnum saw, right? Oh. And then when you, how many times can you keep um, sharpening like this? It'll still be good. Uh, you know, it all depends really uh, you know, how bad the saw is. You kind of grind it down a little harder as the, as the teeth are wear out as they go. So if they're not worn out so bad, it's just a quick little one, two, but sometimes you got to give it a good grind. But, uh, I would say about 10 sharpens. You get a, you get a good out of a good chain. You know what I mean? And you sharpen it once a year. Oh God, no, it all depends. There's stuff growing in the tree. Sometimes you don't see the fences or rods. And, <laughs> you know, it dulls out. As soon as you hit something, rocks, sand, it's, it's bad. So, uh, but I mean, if you're on top of it, you can keep your saw really nice. So Carl, when you're taking down trees, you're trying to, keep our environment steady right the yeah. tree sometimes needs to have come down you want the other to stay up yeah. it's taking care of a blade like this it's uh, the same kind of mission of trying to preserve rather than throwing stuff out absolutely tell absolutely. me about that uh, i actually do know companies that will you know to save time they'll have a bunch of chains on their truck and don't get me wrong that's great uh they'll bring them home and sharpen them but some guys are real lazy they don't put a sharpen on anything and they'll just uh they got money like that. So they'll just take the chain, throw it out and put a new one on there. And uh, I like to preserve it. I like to, I, I think uh, it cuts better when I sharpen it because it's my liking at that point, you know? But it's my like, but like chef's knife, you know, it's, it's uh -huh. perfect that way. And do you have a relationship with this? Like the way a chef does with a knife? Do you know this machine? How long have you used this Magnum? Uh, about 10 years now I've been cutting trees down and uh, yeah, it's, it's an art, man. It really is science, art, math. Uh, you have to make, thousands of decisions every second of the day it's it's uh i love love doing what i do now have you used the same tool for how long uh this one i've been working for the city for three years now so this one's seen some time before even me but uh, uh -huh. i've been uh this same style so i've been using since i started so yeah the, three years yeah now what got you into tree work um 
my brother actually got me into tree work. I ended up starting to, I ended up working for Ashland Tree Service, and then I ended up getting really lucky and landing a job with the city after a bunch of years of uh, um, training. And, you know, it was, it, I, I ended up getting really lucky. Now, why does this tree need to come down today here on House Street? It actually has a crack up in the leader right up there. And, uh, you know, all the pedestrians and dog walkers. and uh, So there's a chance this could have fallen in, yeah. on a dog walker pedestrian. Absolutely. We don't normally take healthy trees down around here unless it's a very, it's usually a hazard reason why we're out here, you know. And so this wasn't otherwise healthy or no? Other, no, it, it had some cancerous spots in it too. It, all in all, it needed to come down. What kind of tree is it? This is an elm tree, actually. An elm tree in the Elm City. We still got some. Elm City. What do, when you're off work, do yeah. you do you relate to trees at all? Do you go? We do do. Me and my brother do tree work on the side, but uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of kind of flows in my everyday life. Tell me about that. Uh, so I we we actually split wood. We like to uh, you know, save it for the uh, burnt. Yeah. It's funny, like the whole process of taking a tree down. You could take it down, and then some people just think that the wood is gone but no i mean you could you could take it you could split it you can heat your house that way there's there's a lot of fundamentals of the whole tree aspect do you, you do know? that carl do you yes, heat, we do. what we kind do of that. stove you have at your house oh uh, we have a little wood stove it, it does not enough to heat the house but it's you know it, it helps it they helps. smell great and tell me i meant like when you're not working uh, do you walk in the woods at oh, all? Oh yeah, big hiker. Um, I do like my relaxing time. <laughs> and does it involve trees? It does. It Tell does. me about that. We, we, um, so actually, one of my favorite uh, spots to hike is Sleeping Giant, and uh, you know, obviously out in the woods. Uh, I have a little nephew. He's he's 13 years old. We haven't gone hiking in a little bit, but uh, we yeah, he's getting into snowboarding now. Everything we do is just out in the. I'm never like in my house. I'm in my house when I'm. <laughs> I'm not a big TV guy. I, I, yeah, I like to be hands-on doing something at all uh -huh. times. Well, you like Sleeping Giant. I, I don't go there a lot, but I was there the other day for a hike, one yeah. I'd never gone to before. And it's like there are so many trails you could go for years and end up in one you never in before. Exactly. There's a lot of cool apps I just found on my phone, too, that like give you trails that, like you said, uh, right off the beaten path. You know, like, yeah. oh, you can take the blue or green trail, and sometimes there's a trail, like you said, you've never even seen before, and that's where you find the waterfalls and the so as a tree guy are you getting into any other stuff that's been coming out recent years about how the the fungi under the ground connect the trees and like miles and worlds away trees are actually communicating to each other oh. letting each other know where water sources are no i've actually never really gotten into you read the overstory or any yeah, of that i do know what you're talking about that is wild i i would like to get into a little black hole of that i'd like to read into that well i guess what's made me wonder about who are these trees we walk by every day do you ever look at the trees and think about oh, that it's amazing it really is uh it, it's a whole system in themselves you know like well we wouldn't be all alive if the trees weren't here you know so and how do you feel in terms of your job every day making sure trees don't fall on people's heads oh i think it's <laughs> You know, it's, it's definitely, like I said, it's an art. I don't think everybody can do it. Uh, it definitely takes a certain person to do it. And uh, So you have the art of keeping this tool in good shape. What about the art of cutting down trees? You talked about how there are a thousand decisions, that every minute you're making a whole bunch of different decisions. What are some of those decisions today you'll be making? Um, well, like you said, uh, you know, you asked me why we were taking this tree down and, you know, with the pedestrians and stuff. So we have to make, a, we have to make sure we're blocking the pedestrians from coming. Uh, let alone just the decision of cutting the tree itself. You know, there's just, yeah, you have to take the tree down, but you have to pay attention to everything else that's going around. You see people coming out of houses, uh, walking animals. Um, people are always on their cell phones now. Nobody ever has their head up watching us take trees down. So 
headphones on. You just you, you gotta. It's yeah. a very uh, populated area where we're and, taking trees down. And, and then how about the way a tree falls? Do you have to make decisions when you look at the grain? Like, like right now you said there's a cut in the tree? Yep, there's a split in the limb. So, you know, if you go up there and start cutting the top part of it, it might split and the top part might go flying on you instead of the whole piece. So you have to keep that in mind. There's, there's just so many, so many decisions you have to keep in mind. So now you're using a file to, to, to sharpen the teeth here, right? Yeah. What kind of file is it? Uh, little three-eighths file um a little round file i like to keep a round file a new thing is people are putting square edges on their chains i i'm the old school i like the square uh the circle file so oh you mean they use square edge yeah, files they put a square edge on their teeth instead of this round oh edge. and is the idea that it makes it sharper you know i think it's uh i haven't even tried it yet so i i can't even put an argument on that but uh actually a lot of people are going another argument electric saws to gas saws you know um that's a big thing uh i'm not a big electric saw fan yet i mean I think you're old school. Yeah, I'm old school. I like the engines. I think they have just a little bit more to them. And uh, maybe in the upcoming years, we'll be able to see what the electric saws are going to do for us. But Babs, any questions for Carl Zemke here out in House Street while he's working and being kind enough to talk to us? Yes. So, Carl, tell me what we what can we as citizens do to be better stewards of our trees and our communities and neighborhoods? Um, you know, uh People like to, uh, the only thing I can really see that we can do is um, I see a lot of cars parking their cars, like right on the, um, right on the bottom of the trees, you know, like the, the roots of the trees. That's actually really not good for them. It really ends up suffocating them. And uh, that's really like the only thing I could see out in the city of New Haven, you know. Um, How about dogs peeing on trees? You know, that doesn't really affect anything. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's actually anything, if, you know, the, the feces, you know, that's almost like a fertilizer, you know, it really doesn't really affect anything like that. But uh you know, uh, yeah, I would say just driving up around the roots of the trees and stuff, you could really do some damage to them and start start killing them off, you know. And maybe walk when you're walking. Don't always be on your cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Look around every <laughs> once in a while. There's stuff going around. You might be interested, you know. <laughs> All right, Baz, can I ask him the question from outer space? Four times the last week we've shot down, or a little more than a week, yes. these unidentified flying, except for the one Chinese weather balloon. Are you any concern that today while you're working up in the tree, There'll be some kind of flying object over your head getting shot down you know, by the U.S. government. It sounds crazy. I wouldn't mind seeing it, but uh, <laughs> man, it's uh, crazy what's going on. Any uh, theories about what these are? Oh, I mean, I hope they're just collecting data. Babs, any questions for Carl? Before we no, thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, for your service. Now, what a fun dreams. way to start the week, meeting Carl and hearing what he's up to. And this is Paul and Carl at Howe Street <laughs> signing off and Love Babs, Love Talk, a WNHH. Oh, yay. See, you would have had no idea of how the trees are taken, taken such good care of in our city if we didn't meet Carl. Thank you, Carl. And Carl's old school sharpening his saw, getting ready to you know, pay attention because we just see them working. We don't think about what goes into that? So, so I appreciate that. I I really do. And and I I live in Newhallville, and my street has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of trees, lots of trees. I think I have more trees in this neighborhood than I ever did on in Beaver Hill, you know. Uh, and so, so yeah, I love a tree lined city. I think that makes for a very beautiful city. So thank you. So now when I go out today, I'll make sure I look, look more closely at the trees because 
trees are good. <laughs> trees are good. And uh, and I love having a tree outside my door. Uh, um, and when, they, when they're full, it makes a beautiful canopy down my street. It's very romantic. Very, very romantic um, uh, to see the trees and the canopies that they make. So, so the next time you're out, and even in the winter, even though the leaves are not back, it's still it's still striking. It's still very beautiful. Uh, I think that's the joy of four seasons, right? You get to see uh, the trees take on so many different ways that uh, bring us pleasure and, and, and joy when you look at them. You know, so next time you're out in the streets and in your neighborhood, look, just give your tree a look-see. <laughs> look down your street, look up, look where the trees are, you know. Think about that. Seriously. Gorgeous. 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 So anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Nick LeBron in uh, in about uh, 30 minutes. Uh, he is the mayoral candidate in Hartford. I don't know how many people are running for mayor in Hartford. I'll ask him. Uh, but I'm looking forward to talking to him. And uh, I think Luke Bronin is not, he's not running, stepping down, um, did a couple of terms, right? And, uh, you know, it's time to give somebody else a shot. See what they could do. Go for what you know. Uh, and I like that concept that concept very much. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, now's a good time to be in politics. I always think it's a good time to be in politics. I think if you've never, if you really want to know how things work, get into politics, you know, at your local level. You know, get on your school board. Uh, run for, for a city council. Uh, be appointed to uh, get appointed to some commissions and boards and stuff like that. And, you know, don't do what I do. Like, you know, a lot of stuff, one or two things, one, one thing, commit to one thing, one thing, you know, uh, cause you know, cause we can all complain. We can all, we can all readily complain. Uh, but what are you willing to do to make a difference? What are you willing to do? to exact change, to make change, to inspire change, to work toward change? What are you willing to do? You know, and that's the question. And I, you know, I, I, I like to think that when I'm complaining about something at the same time, I better be willing to roll up my sleeves and get into it. Um, and so when I complain about something, it's because I'm probably thinking about getting involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I'm just now realizing that all the ish that I complain about is all the ish I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and just get into it uh, for a period of time. Because, you know, to who much is given, much is, is required. And, uh, and I know, I know I've been, I've been extraordinarily blessed. And so whatever talents I have, um, I, I've got to use them um, for good. I mean, I have to use them for good, right? Because that's just what it is. And so, uh, so I take great, I take great care in in thinking about those kinds of things, and that's why I serve. But one, because I'm not rich, so I don't I don't have a lot of money to. I can't write big checks to things. I wish I would love to someday be able to throw money at some issues. <laughs> but until that day. I have to use my time as as my contribution to something. 
have to use my time. And, and, and that's what I try to do. I try to use my time. Uh, um, uh, and, and it's exhausting. Don't get me wrong. It, it is exhausting. I'm wrangling now with trying to set a date for uh, the so- Connecticut solitary, solitude, uh, stop solitary confinement. I chair that board. And I chaired this board because they needed somebody to get them off the ground. And I have the skill set to do that. But this has been, it has been quite challenging. <laughs> this is probably the biggest challenge I've had in a very long time of just getting a meeting. And I think today I'm just going to set one and just make everybody say, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to set one, damn it. And that's it. Just going to set a meeting. We're going to set one. And then that's what's going to be. Uh, and try to sort of uh, get everybody on 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 script so that we can at least start moving some kind of forming some kind of agenda and and providing some guidance uh, to the advisory committee about how to do this now that we are back in session and legislative session is beginning. Um, so but other than that, you know, I, I serve because to 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 lead is to serve and. I believe in that. Uh, and I, I I feel strongly about that. And and at some point, I'm, I'm not going to be in any capacity serving on anybody's board except my board for my organization. Um, but other than that, uh, I'm going to serve for as long as I can serve. And then I'm going to change the trajectory of my life. You know, I'm going to just move into other waters. Um, you know, so... I guess I will always be serving in some capacity because I'm a volunteer to my core. Uh, and I can't talk the kind of ish that I like to talk and not do anything about it. You know, and I don't, I, everybody's busy. I got the same 24 hours as Oprah and Michelle Obama and, and my neighbor. I got the same 24 hours. There's no new 24 hours. I don't got, I don't got more hours in a day. I got the same hours you got. I got the same hours. I don't got, I don't got extra hours. (laughs) I got the same, I start with the same 24 hours as, as, as Bill Gates and as Oprah and my neighbor down the street and my neighbor across the street and my kids and the, and the person that bags my groceries. It's the same 24 hours, same 24 hours, no new hours, (laughs) it's no new hours. So so what what can I do in those twenty four hours that I'm gifted? If I'm if I'm blessed to get up and have another twenty four, so and 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 I'm a I'm a running against time because right I'll be sixty and you know I, I'm in relatively good ass health, but who knows? <laughs> so all right, I'm on my way out. Uh, I'll be back in about a, a few minutes, fifteen minutes, because Harry's like break break. <laughs> I'll be back. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. While COVID may not stop a baby's heart, isn't a child with a rising fever, cough, and chills enough to make your heart skip a beat? Children are 19% of reported COVID cases with higher rates in Hispanic and Black children. Vaccinated six months to five-year-olds are 80% less likely to get COVID, which means 80% healthier New Haven one-year-olds and 100% happier New Haven parents. To learn more, visit nhvvax.org.
Yeah. I say thank you, Mr. Uh,
hour of love babs love talk on babs rose ivy i'm delighted this morning because i get to talk to nick lebron from hartford but right now his campaign manager uh candace dorman is hanging out for a few minutes and i think he's logging in now hey candace good morning good morning thanks so much for having me today <laughs> i'm so happy to see you babs it's nice to see you i'm glad you're running a a campaign you know me, right? When the when the phone rings, I answer. And uh, in this case, it was my good friend, Nick LeBron, actually Councilman Nick LeBron, who's running for mayor for the city of Hartford. And uh, I've known him for over a decade and had been waiting for him to make this announcement for a very long time. So when he made that call to me, I was like, all right, let's go. When What's 10 more months? <laughs> all right. So uh, welcome, Councilman Nick LeBron. How are you? I am well. I am well. I am, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, too, because, you know, Hartford is our capital. We we are concerned about who, who runs that city. <laughs> we definitely should be, yes. <laughs> so tell me something about Hartford that those of us in New Haven would not know or did not know. Well, I think from Hartford, um, being a food person and um, having traveled to uh, New Haven, which is the pizza capital, is that what we come in a close second in terms of our pizza. Uh, we're a big uh, food uh, diversity in food. So we have a lot of different uh, cultures and ethnicities in terms of food. And those are the type of things that bring people to cities um, and, and, and folks enjoy those things. So that's just kind of uh, my own personal favorite when I talk about and celebrate the cultures that uh, uh, we, we experience here in Hartford. So how long have you been on the council? So this is my first term. This is oh. my um, this is my fourth year and the first term. Okay, and so so uh, your terms are four year increments. Yes, yes, it is. And so, what has it been like being councilman? What did you learn? What have you learned? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 an interesting thing, right? We the world um, was challenged by something called the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if New Haven experienced that. I'm saying that, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. But, you know, it was an interesting experience where um, I had to learn how to do the Zoom and connect with people 
through you know Zoom meetings or Teams meetings and 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 connecting with communities in that way, which was something that um, I think we all had to learn uh, from uh, being able to adjust to that. You know, but being the chair in Health and Human Service, uh, we had to, I was called into action right away. It was only a month in um, when I was sworn in that uh, I was able to you know pivot and then now all of a sudden have this pandemic on our plates. So as the chair of Health and Human Service, coupled with the um, with the mayor and as well as the director of Human Services, it really took a lot of time and it took a lot of uh, energy and effort in order to make sure that you know we save lives. And um, and so I'm very proud about that. Hmm. So you you have an associate's degree in social work from Capital Community College. Mm -hmm. You have a BA in psychology and a master's of public policy from Trinity College. So yes. so what's a what's a nice boy like you doing in a job like that? Why are you running wanting to be elected to office? So it's a BS in psychology, and I take that right because I took a lot of science courses. So um, uh, but uh, what? So I, I think what my education reflects really the level that I was at in my professional career um, at uh, when, when I was going for my associate's degree, I had just came out of college. And so I was trying to really find um, what I wanted to do. And so my mom being my first mentor and her being a social worker inspired me to be a social worker. Um, it was a field at the time that was 90% um, female. And so talks with my mother and those types of things, you know, I felt like majoring in social work would make me highly marketable and being able to get a job. And so that was that was the case as well as being bilingual. I think over a period of time, as I was doing social work, I really started to explore how people think um, and um, how families think. And so then I became a, 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 then I majored in psychology. After that, I became a family therapist and um, really was able to assess families in New Haven area, by the way, I did work in the New Haven area, uh, uh, Bridgeport, uh, a lot of major cities all over the state. I was really blessed and fortunate to see that happening all over the state. But the other interesting thing that a lot of folks um, may or may not know is the diversity of Connecticut's landscape and that poverty also happens in rural areas. We do have farmlands, we have farmers, and uh, I was doing home visits and connecting with those families who were poor, but living on a farm, which, are, which is a, a much different experience than uh, we typically associate with poverty in Connecticut. But one of the major things and where I pivoted to public policy was oftentimes, no matter where I was, whether I was in a farm in Brooklyn, Connecticut, or in uh, the Hallville area in New Haven, New Hallville, I believe it's called. Mm -hmm. The common theme that I was always faced with was poverty, right? And poverty transcended everything. And a lot of the, the issues that were coming up with family were based in poverty. So there was this macro level thought that I had in my mind where it was, are we teaching our families to tolerate poverty? When we go into these homes and as a social service agency and a human service agency or agencies or industry, are we really just teaching families how to be poor? And so that's where I really shifted my focus and became an organizer, an advocate, a lobbyist, 
and then an elected official to try to change poverty and really focus on economic mobility for families because a lot of the base and root cause of the issues that they were facing were based upon income levels. Mm. So uh, I read in your bio, you are Puerto Rican or your mother is Puerto Rican. Well, my mom and dad is Puerto Rican, yes. Okay, your parents are Puerto Rican. And so talk a little bit about what what that means to you and how does that influence you? Well, I think being Puerto Rican has a major influence uh, in my life. It helped shape me from the very beginning. You know, obviously I'm a big food person. I'm circling back to the food and the wonderful food that I was uh, exposed to uh, and, and, um, and the like. The cultural celebrations, the importance of family, the importance of connecting. Even yesterday, um, coming off of the Super Bowl, I was able to connect with um, all of our family. We love coming together. We love bringing, you know, our certain dishes and those type of things, and celebrating and laughing, and uh, and seeing the young people grow. Um, so those were the exposures um, that I that I learned very early. But what I also learned very early was uh, the differences in uh, ethnicities and cultures. I went to, I had a very unique experience growing up in Hartford and that my mom valued education. So even though we were on the low socioeconomic scale, she moved to an area and paid higher rent in order for me to have access to a good school. Because back in those days, there wasn't a lottery or those type of things. So I went to a school where there was very affluent people and so it was also uh, uh, where I saw the, afflu- the affluent folks who went, when they left school, they went north. And uh, the folks that were on the lower socioeconomic status went south. And I started to see and appreciate the cultural difference, differences and the ethnicities, depending on where you walked and lived. And it made me very acutely and keenly aware of the circumstances that I was faced with at a very young age. And so, um, and understanding that all the Puerto Ricans and the, and the black folks were walking south and all the folks who weren't Puerto Rican and or black were walking north. And I think that that helped shape me very early on understanding that hmm, there's a correlation here. Uh, I don't know what it is at 10 years old, but there's something here. And so it made me explore those things very early on. And so, you know, those are the things that that help shape me um, and identification around uh, being Puerto Rican and and, 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 and and its cultural importance. But the connectedness and saying like, hmm, all people of color, at that time we didn't use that term, but all people of color seem to be going this way to this neighborhood. And so understanding that there were common threads in poverty. I like that. That's a good thought. So, so, and understanding that, Nick, how mm-hmm. do you talk to the business people? How do you talk to business people uh, uh, to stay focused in and in providing uh, industry and jobs in Hartford and and around Connecticut? How do you talk to affluent folks who live in Hartford? Because I know you got some, right, mm-hmm. and surrounding cities and towns of Hartford. How, what do you hear from them, and what do they say? They're like, "Oh, I hear you talking about poor people. They're gonna <laughs> give away the store. Like, what's happening?" Yeah. So. I think um, aside from the small businesses and the small and the vibrancy that that brings to our communities, one of the major, and, and I think it's important to step back and understand that we are always learning and we should be always learning or wanting to learn. 
And so one of the things that I've been learning on this campaign, where I speak to these affluent people, is that they want a lot of the same things we want. They see the spike in murders that happened last year. And they realize, right, that wherever they are, whether they're doing business in downtown or having a meeting after work, those crime and those violence incidences affect their bottom line as well. And so they want the same things. So oftentimes when candidates or elected officials approach them, they approach them from this very, um, as, as one person put it, stale conversation around how can they affect their bottom line? And look, these are very savage, savvy business people. We're the insurance capital of the world. And for us to think and be layered and mired in their work to the degree that we know, you know, very specific information about their work, they're less impressed by that. They're more impressed of the outcomes and keeping a city safe because can't, I was going to say, can't any, can't no business happen if nobody want to come to do business because they're scared. And I think that that was the most important and eye-opening experience. So it helped me shift and made me understand that, look, these are people too. And they want to feel safe when they go to work. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about this crime situation, because I, I pay attention to what's going on in Hartford. I listen to mm-hmm. the news and y'all have been up against it for a good minute now. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you, how do you, how do you talk to community and how do you talk to, I mean, you're in Hartford, you've got the legislative body there. How do you, how do you talk to all these parties about what is happening uh, in Hartford and how do you get people to the table to, to help resolve this? I think the fabulous Babs, uh, I think it's a great <laughs> question. And my answer is rooted in your question. So you're saying talking to all the parties. And I think that that's really at the crux of it. That is actually the root issue is that you have all these parties that are involved and they all want to be involved and they all have the same idealistic goals. But there's so many parties and there's so many layers and they're attacking it in silos. And so, you know, we need to be able to come together to find the common threads. So we're not duplicating services. And so we're not also when grants and funds go out there that we don't have competing nonprofits going after the same thing and creating contentious relationships. When um, the service delivery is out there in the community, we need to bring the school system in because the school system, you know, the children, our, I call them scholars. The scholars are in school 40 hours a week, you know, and then they go home. And so you, but they're a whole child. They're a whole family. And we need to attack it as such. If we continue to try to find the answer solely at the state or solely in the street, we're going to lose. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about um, the infrastructure of Hartford and, and, and what do you, what is your mission and vision for Hartford? What do you see Hartford being in the future? Well, I, you know, I see a Hartford that's unified. I think that we have to unify our city. And, and a lot of it has to do with uh, how we've landed into this place. Going back to the story I shared around um, leaving school and folks going a low social economics that is going this way and other folks and affluent folks going better. Because of that, that has broken down our city for decades where we have pockets and so as a result, you know, a grant comes out, you know, you have Frog Hollow fighting 
South Green or the Northeast corner fighting Clay Arsenal, um, you know, for these pockets of money. And so we need to come together and we need to unify our city. I think that that's an important piece. The other piece, Miss um, Babs, is that as you heard, is we need some, something that is economically thriving for all. So oftentimes, you know, we, you know, work-related grants and, and job training programs. I wanna tell you a story of this um, gentleman, let's call him Mike. He lived in the North End of Hartford uh, off of um, Mother Street, in Mother, Brook and Mother. Um, and uh, he doesn't live anymore, so I'm not there anymore, so I'm not gonna identify him. And I remember as a social worker going into his home, he was trying his best. He was a single dad. He had three children. He had, they were all teenagers at the time. And he was going through all of those things that teenagers put parents through. <laughs> but the other difficult piece was that Mike was trying to gain employment. And he was trying to do it for years. And on his wall, I'll never forget it, he had seven certifications. He had trades, construction, plumbing, heating, job training, parent leadership courses. And he turns and looks at me, Nick. He said, Nick, I'm trying, but none of this leads to jobs. None of it. And so job placement, job training is good, but if you don't got jobs at the end of that pipeline of that training, then it's just going to be a paper on Mike's wall. And we have to change that. Mm. So what do you say to the re-entry? Do y'all have a re-entry issue in Hartford? Oh, yes. Um, so I, at the forefront of this, so I myself um, coming up in the Hartford community have um, family members that have been challenged, uh, you know, and are re-entry citizens. So I know firsthand because they call me, my uncle, I'm not going to say who, they, but my family would call me and say, listen, <laughs> this ain't working. <laughs> this line is too long. I don't qualify for this. I got cousins, friends. Um, you know, who want to, I think the important thing is they want to come back and they want to change their lives. So we have to take advantage of what um, in, in um, Puerto Ricans say, animal. And it doesn't really translate well to English, but it's that energy. We have to capitalize on that energy while it's hot and warm inside of them. Because if they come back to a system that is mired in red tape, they become easily frustrated and therefore may be um, prone to the things that they learned that probably got them incarcerated in the first place. So an example of that, myself, um, along with uh, my counsels on, uh, my colleagues on council, were able to change our reentry program to open it up to anyone, right? Because before it was just focused on uh, folks who came out clean, as they say, right? Like, so they didn't have any probation or parole or those type of things. Well. There's not a high percentage of those folks. There are a lot of people that come out with probation and parole because they get dangled that low-hanging fruit. And they're like, yeah, I'll come out to whatever restrictions you need. And as um, um, as one of um, I, my little cousin had told me, it's like, um, you know, these, these parole, these special paroles they give you enough rope to really hang yourself. And so oftentimes folks on special parole, they go right back in and then they end up doing the max on their sentences. So it's understanding that we got to serve everybody, the ones who come out clean and the ones who come out with special parole and that there's a spectrum of folks who, who need reentry services. And we shouldn't close that window to just a narrow focus. 
Mm. So how closely do you think you'll be working with the, the legislative body for the state of Connecticut? Well, uh, so the good news is, is that I have friends on the New Haven legislature. I have friends in the Bridgeport legislature because as a lobbyist and working as an educational advocate, I had to have friends in all the cities and towns all over the state. And we all had the common themes that it did not matter where a child was born, but that they should have access to a quality education. So because I have those relationships at the state capitol, definitely we need to uh, double down. And uh, I'm, we don't have a legislative affairs person right now at the city. We need to change that, right? We need to bring someone back whose job it is to kind of be at the state capitol and, uh, and utilize those relationships and utilize those common themes, utilize those themes around poverty, utilize those things around city issues and come together and unify on, on, on core issues. And, and again, I just wanna reiterate, poverty affects everyone in every community, right? I, again, I talk about the family um, that I served in Brooklyn, Connecticut. They were a white family. They had a farm. They had horses. They sold manure, to be, to be honest with you. And that's how they lived and survived besides state subsidies. And so there's a common theme with poverty. But what happens is with geography, and one of the things I learned from that family in Brooklyn, they felt like everybody in the city gets everything, right? And the same conversely, everybody in the city feels like everybody in the outskirts gets everything. But that's the common thread and that poverty affects all. And so in a state that has the biggest wealth gap, we need to be able to address it on a statewide level and address these issues. And the only way to do it is to come together collaboratively. So talk to me, uh, Nick, about the moment you decided uh, I, I'm serving on the council, but I think my skills and talents might be better utilized in the mayoral office. That's a great question. <laughs> I think that's the first question I've been asked on this campaign. Thank you for that question. And the moment I realized it is that when I had a ordinance that I needed passed and I lost eight to one, but I'm the most proudest of that, right? Because I stood, you know, I often tell folks that, um, and this isn't my quote, I forgot, I think it's, I don't know who, I think it's Thomas Jefferson, but, you know, for matters of, of style, I can swim with the current, but for matters of principle, I can, I stand like a rock, and I stood like a rock on that. I felt it from the beginning. I lobbied my council colleagues. Some of them wavered, some of them came on, and then last minute, they decided to go um you know in another direction but as a result when i what ended up happening is i was able to foreshadow um, um an issue that came up statewide where um there was some there wasn't anything nefarious it was just more of a snafu or an oversight and i saw that coming because of where the ordinance uh, the structure that we had in place and so as a result, what ended up happening is months later, when it hit the fan, when stuff hit the fan, you know, then my council colleagues came around and say, Nick, now I understand what you were talking about. And so that's the moment 
where understanding the policy and how it's being delivered, but having the foresight of what's coming in the future, I think that became the moment. Mm. So is running for mayor different than running for council? Like, what have you learned? <laughs> running for mayor <laughs> is definitely different than running for council. And I say this tongue in cheek, uh, and I love to laugh, right? Like, we, we live in a world that's, you know, oftentimes pulls at our heartstrings, so I love to smile. And so what I have learned differently, uh, and I say this because Candace is here, uh, is uh, my appearance. I like to wear uh, athletic leisure. Uh, and so, listen, I'm a product of my community, but understanding like, look, in leadership, this is what people need. They need to have confidence in their leadership. They need to understand that. And rather I agree with it or not, that's the rules of the game that's being played right now. And so if that's the rules of the game that I need to learn and adapt to in order to lead my city through the struggles and lead us to a place where we need to be, then I'll change, I'll put on whatever it needs, whatever it takes necessary to do so. Um, but um, well, I'm sorry, what was the root question? I'm sorry, I went on a tangent because I got passionate about my clothing. That's, that's fun. Why have you learned? Why are you learning? What are you learning no, in this yeah, process? I, yeah, I think, I think what I've learned for the campaign process is that um, we understand the rules, right? There's a playbook that has been established for centuries, right? If not decades. And that playbook has been leveraged by a certain archetype of constituency and a certain archetype, uh, social archetype of establishment, political powers that be. So look, we understand the rules of that game. Um, but like Einstein said, we have to learn the rules of that game and play and, and then play it better than everybody else. So that so that's where we are. And uh, the rules of that game more specifically is is the fundraising piece. Um, you know, there isn't a lot of tangible measures that are being given in the community to understand where do people lie? Like, how do they feel about certain candidates? Those type of things don't exist. Um, and I think, you know, they, they should exist, but they don't exist now. And so the only leverage or the only tangible things and the only thing that gets printed in the paper is the amount of the amount of funds that are raised, and that and then that transcends to legitimacy. So if you go back to this young ten-year-old boy who was going to uh, Noah Webster School and started to see how the you know the folks who are on the low socioeconomic status looked this way and went in this community, and the other folks went that way in that community, and had every and there was a high correlation around what they look like. And then you go and fast forward to a young man, uh, not, I'm not so young anymore, but a person uh, who is now running for mayor, the game still is being played the same way, but that's okay. Like I said, we're gonna play the game in terms of fundraising and we're gonna do it better than everybody else. So talk to me about how you are going to deal with negative or negativity, because uh, listen, I, I've run for office. I know people run for office. I've worked on campaigns far and wide. Uh, it, it, at some point, negativity finds its way into a campaign. Somebody's yeah. going to say some disparaging thing about you or your mama. Or they <laughs> Don't be talking about my mama. You talk about, don't be talking about my mama and my kids and my wife. <laughs> Somebody's going to say something and it's going to be off-putting. It might be racist yeah. in its undertones. It might be classes in its mm -hmm. reach. It might be a lot of things. 
how do you how do you push back on that? Do you push back on that? Do you have a strategy, a personal strategy for dealing with that? I think it, you know, it's having an absolutely fantastic and talented campaign manager. I think that those things and understanding those cultures and how it affects your team, how it affects your candidate. And I got the best out there. Um, (laughs) Candace is the best. Um, And I think that that's one of the things that she's grounded in. Look, I'm a human being. So sometimes these things happen. Excuse me. Sometimes these things. Uh-oh, I think you froze. Okay, there you go. Uh-oh. I don't know what happened. You froze a little bit. Oh, maybe you'll come back in. Oh, no. No, I wouldn't worry about it. It'll, uh, maybe it'll readjust itself. <laughs> Thanks, Harry, for putting all the, the links in. So, um, I think uh, Nick has to uh, probably re- reorient his 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 uh, feed. You know, this happens. Technology is such. Uh, hopefully, in the next few minutes, it'll snap back. Uh, don't worry, Candice. <laughs> He'll come back in. <laughs> He'll come back in. Uh, he'll jump back on. Hopefully, before we before we wrap up, we got we got a few minutes. So he'll he'll be back. No worries. It was a good conversation. A lot of it, all of it, was a good conversation. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. He'll be he'll be back. And uh, you know, listen, we live in a tech technology. Uh, uh, we live in a technology world, and uh, sometimes technology fails us. <laughs> Oftentimes, there you go. See. I knew you'd be back. This. There you go. Recording in progress. Uh, hold on one second. I got you in two places. <laughs> That's so all right. We, on, if it goes on again, I'll um just switch to my phone. Oh so. no, you're good. You're good. We got we got a few more minutes before we have to wrap up anyway. But sure. finish finish your thought about how how do you how do you push back oh, yeah. with so, your yeah, yeah. personal so, philosophy? But personal philosophy, and I think having a great campaign manager is the same, similar to like uh, having a good attorney, right? And so they say <laughs> like you know, if someone had like what 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 do they say? They say uh, uh, if uh, if someone is representing themselves in court, they got a fool for a client. For a client. So the yes. same thing, if I am my own campaign manager, they got a fool for uh, somebody that's running for uh, elected office. And you absolutely, and, and I absolutely agree with that. And so um, that's that's one of the things where Candace um, is able to uh, bring the entire team, not just myself, but bring the entire team back to focus. Uh, and, uh, and we need to be mired in that. I just wanna personally say that is not our approach. We, we do not, uh, um, intend on attacking anyone um and we do not you know that's not what this campaign is about oftentimes people get soured by that i think the last um a couple elections you know you start to see the negativity going back and forth mm-hmm. and uh, i'm not sure like you know people don't want to have their commercial breaks focused on negativity people want to be you know people aspire for their leaders to be mired in hope and future and and optimism not smearing 
Um, you know, so it's like uh, the first lady said, Michelle Obama, when they go low, we're going to go high. Mm. I mean, that's I mean, I, I hear you. But if they come for you, I mean, you got to swing back. I think I think you have to swing back. I don't know if you swing back with vitriol, but you have to swing back. You know, sure. you're not you, you can't stand there and let people and, and you can't spend your time fighting right. back too, right? Like, because you yeah. got to hold, you got to get down yeah. the road. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I did, that's just my personal effect, but, uh, you know, Candace will, will handle that and manage that. You know, we're both city kids. Um, and so, you know, we've been through, you know, we've been through, like the kids say, all that smoke before. So, us, I mean, you know, that we're used to that, right? So, you know, um, if folks want to go in that direction, um, it isn't, you know, it's, you know, we had to come up and we had to be resilient. Um, and so we understand that oftentimes life isn't fair. Um, uh, but if you feel froggy, then just jump. <laughs> All right. So before I let you go, Nick, and I've enjoyed this conversation immensely, sure. what do you want for Hartford? Well, I, I want a Hartford that is unified. I want a Hartford that no matter what neighborhood that you live in, that you feel connected to the city and you feel that the city has your best interests. I want a Hartford that is economically thriving for all. So often and for decades, we've seen certain segments of the population and certain industries continue to thrive. But most importantly, we all gotta feel safe. When we go, when we send our kids to school, they have to feel safe in the schools. When we drive to work or commute to work, we gotta feel safe. And when we live, work and play in all sectors of Hartford, we have to feel safe and that's important. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm gonna pay attention to your campaign, see how you Thank do. You. Thank so. you. Uh, I thank appreciate you. you. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And you uh, know, I, I I did Candace. So, you know, yes. she calls me. I'm like, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. So let's do it. So, yeah. So, yeah. So feel free to come back. Keep me posted on how you're doing. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And shout out to my people in New Haven. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Y'all yeah. be cool. Right. And uh, good luck on your campaign. Thank you so All much right. for your time. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Bye, Candace. All right, Harry, we're on our way out. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Don't forget to uh, shower the people you love with love. Because, you know, that's what I'm going to be all about tomorrow. It's all about love tomorrow. So I'll see you all soon. Be good. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.